Welcome back to another episode of Why Are We Like This, the true crime podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. I'm David Quinones, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, que tal? You know, hanging in there. Surviving Florida. Yeah. I feel like we were just we were just on the phone the other day because we literally were just doing an episode the other day. We don't usually have this short of a aperture between our our, our episodes and so it feels like a becoming muscle memory um and if thomas is on one side of my screen you guys know who's on the other our co-host gerald doherty gerald how are you hello uh, i'm doing okay he was out in my building for a bit uh, if you're listening to the audio of this uh there's no reason for you to know this um but i was worried jumping on this that people would think i was copying tip pool by trying to keep warm um but the, the heat is back on so i'm okay you know i'm always when i wear my miami hat on this episode and i know we haven't really put out any video of, of us we usually mm-hmm. focus on the guests but i'm always worried that people will think that i don't have a majestic head of hair underneath mm-hmm. this hat but like i, I really do guys like, I, I promise I yeah as, as you guys know. So um, on our last episode, we talked with Ida Eskamani uh, previewing the upcoming legislative session in Tallahassee. And we touched on the topic of education. Uh, broadly, we have seen and discussed the coordinated efforts uh, to weaken public schools in Florida. And we've gone deep into how proposed legislation like HB1 is aimed at tapping at that rich, tasty vein of public money that's supposed to support our community schools. Instead, it's going to probably end up pumping cash into for-profit charters, ritzy and exclusive magnet programs, school choice initiatives, and even some crackpot homeschool organizations. And again, this was not our first episode on Florida's busted public education system. You can go back in our archives, and I urge you to check out the episodes that we did with Jen Cousins and uh, Jennifer Berkshire. But this week, we're going to dive a little bit deeper with the help of the original reporting of Judd Legum, whose name you probably recognize from uh, founding Think Progress, the website, or more recently from his uh, very successful and always interesting substack, Popular Information. You can find Popular Information at popular.info, uh, where you should definitely subscribe um, for his great reporting. Judd, welcome to Why Are We Like This? Thanks for having me. So before we jump into um, that, I just wanted to uh, maybe give our listeners an idea. It's uh, popular information, obviously, is not a um, Florida-based uh, 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 outlet, but it is very often, by dint of its mission, reporting on things that happen in Florida. Maybe you can tell folks what they could expect if they, uh, when they subscribe to um, the Substack. Yeah, the, the, the last few weeks, it's been pretty much a Florida <laughs> newsletter. But yeah, we, we bounce around the, the country and around the world, and we're really looking uh, to find places where we think there's gaps in the uh, coverage that you're reading elsewhere, and really focus on trying to hold power to account, You know, whether that's corporations, we do a lot of corporate accountability work, whether that's politicians, like um, you know what's going on. Uh, with DeSantis and the Board of Education and and all the issues we're going to talk about uh, today. Uh, And, you know, uh, looking just for wherever we can um, make a difference and hopefully shine some light on something that might have otherwise not gotten as much attention. It comes out four four times a week. So it comes out Monday through uh, Thursday. And, uh, you know, we try to bring you something new every day. A lot of stuff, very robust. Again, the uh, website is popular.info, so check it out. Um, but we brought Judd on to talk about something specifically that's been kind of like a brain bug for me since um, 
well, for a couple of years, but it, it really kind of drove home. And I've alluded to this, I think, on the podcast before, Thomas and, and Gerald. I think I told you guys about when we did a community service project with my with my um, my day job, my work uh, out in the southern part of Miami Dade County. We went and, and refurbished a, a media center for a Title One school. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was great. You know, got paint everywhere and got to do some cool stuff. But one thing that I noticed, this was in August of 2022, um, some friends, some colleagues of mine and I uh, stumbled on the, you know, the back room of the media center and uh, all the books that had been pulled off the shelves at that point. Um, the uh, biography of a, a kid, elementary school friendly version of the biography of Malcolm X, um, an instructional book. Uh, a pretty recent instructional book um, about uh, HIV and AIDS and a bunch of other stuff like that. And we, to see that, like we see these headlines and it doesn't really, I don't think sink in until you're literally seeing it happen, like seeing the actual physical books being pulled off of the shelf. And that's what we're going to try to get into uh, with Judd today, specifically in the classroom level. Uh, Judd, I'd like to split this conversation into kind of two sections. The first being the story of the pressures that educators are feeling in Manatee County, um, pertinent to your most recent um, set of stories on Popular Info and around the state and how it's kind of already bearing out in real life in classrooms and teachers' lives and the way that they prepare. And then also to the response of, of your reporting, specifically how Twitter has used one of its uh, newest features to try to discredit your reporting. But um, let's begin in Manatee County, uh, which for our non-Floridians is a West Coast Central County that's just across Tampa Bay from St. Pete. It's got a population of about 400,000 people. A lot of people who live there work in Tampa or St. Pete and they commute um, from Manatee, specifically cities like Bradenton. It's conservative. It's white, uh, whiter than most of Florida, I should say. It votes pretty reliably Republican. So it's one of these Florida counties that's kind of like endless suburbia that bleeds into the rural and, and, and citrus country. Judd, how did Manatee County uh, schools wind up on your ra radar and where did your reporting take you? Well, I've been interested, just like what you were talking about with this issue in Florida and around the country of books being targeted and try and being pulled out of school libraries, public libraries. Uh, and so I'm in touch with activists and people who are really engaged in this issue. There, there's people who are really devoting, you know, hours and hours, days and days, and they have other jobs uh, to this issue. It's pretty inspiring, actually, how much work people are putting into this. But anyway, um, one of those groups uh, one of those activists got in touch with me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, we're getting a bunch of reports uh, that teachers are being told to, uh, you know, get, get rid of their classroom libraries. Yeah. And, um, you know, that interested me. Uh, one of the things I found is you never quite know what's happening. You know, I didn't know at that point, you know, was this just one you know, administrator who was just very overzealous, you know, maybe some sort of political zealot. I didn't know what was going on. So I started contacting um, people. What was interesting is some teachers had heard about it and had taken off, taken off their classroom, uh, you know, removed their classroom libraries or covered it with a piece of construction paper, things like that. Others hadn't heard about it at all. Uh, so I wasn't really sure, but eventually I got in touch with the school district and they confirmed um, that this was their policy that all books had to be made inaccessible uh, in classroom libraries until they can be vetted by what in Florida is called a media specialist. In the rest of uh, 
the world, I guess we call it a librarian. Librarian, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but in Florida, it's called the media specialist. And so, you know, th- there's a lot. There's a lot to this, but it it all tracks back to a law that was passed in March of 2021, uh, championed by Ron DeSantis. Uh, that it, on its surface kind of seems innocuous because the bill itself says. Well, any book in a library or in the curriculum needs to be reviewed by a media specialist, i.e. a librarian, and not just any library, one that has this special certification. So it's a limited number of people you got to go to school. You know, uh, these librarians are, are, are serious. You know, they're not, they're not messing around, so right. they, they know what they're yeah. doing. Um, now, then what happened was towards the end of the year, uh, the state of Florida, the, the Department of Education said, when this bill says libraries, they aren't just talking about the lot, the main school library. They're also talking about any collection of books, including the classroom libraries. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've come to learn over the last couple of weeks is that you know, these classroom libraries, at least in Florida, I think it's a, this way a, a lot of the country. Teachers aren't given any money to create a classroom library. So what right. teachers do is over years, so, you know, in some cases decades, they get donations. They're bringing in books from home. They're picking them up wherever they can. And it's like a labor of love. They're curating, like, here's the selection of books that I think will inter- will interest this kind of student, that kind of student, maybe somebody who's having trouble with a certain kind of book, this one can get them into it. They're really curating these things. And they help to fill gaps sometimes. Yeah, like fill specifically, gaps. Specifically, yeah, for that class. And also, if you talk to the re, you know educational researchers, they'll tell you, this is actually the most important kind of reading, almost more important than the books that are actually assigned. Because if it's self-directed, that's how kids actually really learn to like to read because they're following their interests. It's a way they're feeling empowered. Um, and, and generally that's how people get into it. Definitely tracks with my own experience. You know, you pick up books that you like and you're like, Hey, uh, I'm getting some out of this. Um, so anyway, uh, that's what created really the problem because these libraries are not, the media specialists weren't involved. They, they weren't trying to hide them for the media specialists, but just, that's just not how it worked. Uh, in fact, some of the teachers, you know, that a teacher retires, a new teacher comes in, the classroom already has the library. They keep adding to it. You know, th- there's been right. nobody who's, who's overseeing it other than the teachers, because up until this point, we've trusted teachers to make these decisions. But Ron DeSantis and a lot of these activists, like activist groups that have emerged, like Moms for Liberty, um, there's a variety of others, uh, have perpetuated, and I'll just go ahead and say, this is a lie, but they perpetuated this lie that teachers are using these books and librarians actually too are apparently in on this to groom children, I guess to exploit them sexually, yeah. or to indoctrinate them yeah. with leftist ideas. They so call it ideological grooming now. Yes, yeah. ideologically or sexually, one yeah. or the other, yeah. maybe both. But anyway, yeah, they're kind of. It's it's funny because it's kind of in in the in the like hive mind. It's kind of become overlapped i think they've been they've yeah. been muddied those yeah two it's kind of lumped so. it's kind of lumped together um and so it's that premise that's kind of behind all of this yeah. and you know it's actually 
actually more complicated. The whole process is going to be more complicated than just the librarian reviewing it. Uh, because what they said in Manatee County, and this is actually in the state of Florida teacher training, is that if you have a book that's not permitted under Florida law, you could be charged with a third degree felony and you should err on the side of caution. So, you know, I mean, the, another thing that's a third degree felony in Florida is manslaughter. So this is like, so right on the the same level, you know, Uh, you know, they're not, this is not a speeding ticket. This is like something that could essentially ruin your life. That's what they're saying. Ruin your job that you could lose your job forever and ruin your life. So, um, it's, it's something obviously, you know, if you get a communication like this, you're gonna, that's why the libraries were packed up, right? You know, the the people aren't looking to pick up, um, pick up felony charges. And then, you know, when they, when the, so what's going to happen now is like a two-step process. One is you've got to look up each book and see, is it already in the library? In some cases, it's hundreds of books because people have built these libraries up over years. If it's already in the library, then you're okay. You can put it back. But a lot of these books aren't in the library because that's the whole point of these classroom libraries is there, you know, the teacher is bringing in more variety, different stuff. Those books are going to have to be set aside. And individually, each one is going to have to be reviewed by the librarian and compared against this training that just came out in January, created by the state of Florida. And the training is really insidious because what it does is, obviously there's a Florida law that says you you can't give children pornography. Okay. (laughs) That, that makes some sense. I understand why we have a a law like that. I don't, I don't think there's many, you know, uh, porn. Yeah. You're not going to find a strong voice vocal, like, you know, group who's going to be fighting against that particular. So that's one thing. John, I wanted to just, that's the, 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 the elephant in the room question uh, here, I think, at least. How is any yeah. of this constitutional in the so-called global capital of free, of, of free speech? <laughs> How are they getting away with this? Well, I don't think, I mean, I think a, a lot of it is not. A lot of it is not. You know, certainly you can, uh, you, you can exclude obscenity from libraries, but there's a whole, there's a line of, of court cases that says, you know, uh, the First Amendment applies to students and applies to school libraries too. And you can't just, um, you know, remove a book because you don't like its content. You know, there was actually a case, uh, I believe this was in Tennessee. It ended up being a, a federal case where a school district there uh, decided that uh, students would need to get special permission from their parents to check out Harry Potter books because I guess yeah, they're I, satanic I remember this. or something yeah. like that. Um, and a federal court, not the Supreme Court, but but a appeals court said, no, that's unconstitutional because you're you're doing this based on content. This isn't, you know, the Harry Potter books are not obscene. They don't fit into some, you know, kind of these other narrow categories where you're allowed to exclude it in order to, you know, protect kids. And so therefore, this is a violation of their rights. You know, right now, we haven't seen 
litigation uh, yet. Obviously, this is just happening. You know, the the trading just got put out uh, a week or two ago, uh, this month. Uh, You know, I know that the ACLU of Florida is looking at it. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if this if this gets litigated soon. It hasn't happened yet. You said the training was put together with input from groups like Moms for Liberty. Is that correct? That's that's absolutely correct. They were there. Uh, there were a series of meetings. Uh, and in, in fairness, you, anybody could come. So there were the, the, sort right. of the other side right. of sure. this, the, the activists who are trying to keep. But the, the Moms for Liberty people um, got got their way, mostly. And, and the thing that I was going to mention, and, and this actually speaks right to the Moms for Liberty part and their role in this, um, certainly the, the part about, you know, making sure that in there they, they get reminded that you can be charged with a felony. Uh, but also the two, two other bills that I'm sure you guys have talked about a lot on this podcast, which is the Parental Rights and Education Act, which is known <laughs> more commonly as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Right. And now law, and also the Stop Woke Act, which has been, which is under, you know, has been. There's been lawsuits filed about that, but those two bills, which, as you know, you know, kind of restrict classroom discussion about gender identity, restrict classroom discussion about race. It says in the bill this applies to classroom instruction, so it really shouldn't have anything to do with libraries. You should be able to have a book that essentially violates what would be in there if it was part of classroom instruction. But in the training, and this was the Moms for Liberty people, and it's it's a big push, they really muddy this up in a very intentional way. And they basically just talk about how there's lots of commonalities between the restrictions on libraries and the curriculum. And they say that you can't have any books with unsolicited theories. And then mm-hmm. later they start listing the theories and the theories are, the ones in the Stop Woke Act and the ones in the Don't Say. So, you know, it'll be up to, they can't really explicitly say you have to apply this this law. In fact, when the DeSantis administration is defending the Don't Say Gay bill, which is also being litigated against, they're saying, oh no, don't worry about it because this only applies to classroom instruction. You could have a book. It's not about library books. Um, so anyway, so that's a big, so that's a big part of it. So now these media specialists, they're, they're getting a purposely vague training that's kind of threatening and also ambiguous. And they're going to have to look at each book and decide, does this have an unsolicited theory? Yeah. And it seems, it seems like the muddiness is, is a, a, a feature and not a bug. Like that's intentional. And one thing that struck me in your reporting was, um, also the difficulty, the muddiness that is involved in uh, taking a text and um, approving it, getting it actually go from the, you know, if it, if it gets sort of kicked out of the classroom, getting that book brought back in seems like an equally daunting situation. So a lot of these classroom um, libraries that go away, like big chunks of them probably aren't coming back. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge, one, we're right in the middle of the school year. So literally like, you know, it's not like the teachers are sitting around saying, and the librarians for that matter, are sitting around saying, we have time to take on a lot of new texts. I mean, they're, they're already people who I would say are overworked and have more responsibilities yeah. 
um, than certainly anyone could reasonably be expected to do. So yeah, basically these, you know, they're the, the, this, the school district in Mantee is saying, Oh, it's so easy. Just look up your book in the, in the catalog. It's called destiny. And you look it up and if it's in there, you can put it back on the shelf. But what they don't tell you is that thousands of books are not going to be in there. These are going to start to pile up. Um, and you know, at the school board meeting that they held, the Manatee County held this week, they admitted no one has time for any of this and there's no funding to do to do any of this. So, yeah, I think what's going to happen, and, and maybe this is part of the point, is that many, many books will be excluded. And, and also this process will have to be repeated each time a new book is introduced. So as whereas before, you were already going out trying to get donations, trying to get books, you know, looking at them yourself. Now it's going to, you're going to have to get it. It's going to have to be reviewed by the live, the media specialist. Then it's going to have to go to a, a, uh, a committee of teachers and students and parents who will review the book and they will decide if they think it's okay. And then even after that, it's going to have to go to the principal who signs off on it. That's every new book that's going to come into any classroom. Um, from now on, that's not already been part of the library. So yeah, I mean, it is a huge, huge thing. And actually Manatee, compared to a lot of um, Florida school, uh, school districts, is in good shape because many counties in Florida have eliminated the media specialist position from, from schools to save money. So there are schools, plenty of schools in Florida, and I think whole school districts, whole you know, that don't have any media specialists except at the district level. So all the schools are going to be funneling these databases of you know book after book after book to you know one person who sits at the district level. So yeah, I mean, absolutely, it is it is a it is a mess, and I think the result of it is going to be Florida students are going to have access to fewer books, which seems pretty crazy yeah just real quick on a related note you know there was this like fear uproar over this um ap african-american studies uh mm -hmm. uh class being uh banned basically you know pulled off the roster last week and you know it just it just uh re you reminded me of it because when you were talking about this you know this issue of unsolicited topics right uh, i'm sure you saw this judd but uh, Education Commissioner Manny Diaz put out a graphic about this uh, African-American uh, uh, studies class basically saying, you know, ah, they say that, you know, we, we haven't given the reason why we're banning this. Well, here it is. And it's basically the fact that, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the classroom had like readings by like bell hooks and, and, um, and, you know, had like queer theory. Oh my God, you know, and, yeah. And you know, reasons without reasons, and, yeah, and references to communist Rosa Parks, you know, and just all kinds of scary stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I have to go back to how is any of this constitutional, and yeah. and you know, how are these so-called you know defenders of freedom and free speech getting away with this, you know? And and do you see? I guess I mean, obviously there is, but what do you see is the 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 th the through line between? Yeah. The, the censorship right from, you know, like the, the elementary, middle school and high school level 
but also reaching into higher education institutions, right? I mean, they are trying oh, to yeah, sabotage and, and, and reform all of the, the public education system into right-wing, a right-wing propaganda machine. Well, let me just, Judd, before you answer that, let me just say really quick, like what, what T just said, I, I noticed in your writing, it felt as though, and I'll let you answer the question yourself, but it felt as though everybody who was somewhat either socially or politically aligned with the project, who was on the side of DeSantis, it felt like they were giving you the line where it was like, oh, well, hey, these are the rules. This is just the way that it is. But it, I, I don't know, like, because it, 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 it seems like one of those things where, the people who are in favor of it are just like hands off. Yeah, that's 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 what we have to do. Sorry, that that certainly is the attitude in Manatee County. Um, what what they don't tell you, of course, is that you know, and this is part of this is that DeSantis, which is pretty unprecedented for a governor, endorsed sixteen individual school board members in an effort, and it was fairly successful with this to sort of remake school boards throughout Florida. Two of those ended up yeah. in Manatee County. Uh, and so that's part of why this is being implemented in this way. You could imagine other ways um, to implement it. But, you know, going back to Thomas's point as well, um, I do think obviously there is a through line through all of this. There's, there's different ones, but I think, you know, one of them is just the erasure of LGBTQ people from any school, you know, and that's, that was cited to get rid of this AP history class. And, you know, some of my previous reporting uh, has focused more on individual books because there are either parents or teachers or other people, some of whom are challenging hundreds, even thousands of books. And a lot of the objections are just to books that just have a character that either, you know, is gay or might be gay. You know, I mean, one of the books that comes up over and over again is this book called "And Tango Makes Three. Mm-hmm. It's about two male penguins and they like each other. You know, it's it's not a sex book. The penguins don't do anything. They just <laughs> like hanging out. And the zookeeper notices this and give them gives them a little like baby chick, uh, an egg that's been abandoned or something. And they raise this, right. this little penguin. You know, it's, it's based a, on a real situation. Right? It's based on a real situation. Yeah, based, right. based on a real situation. So those are the kind of books that are being targeted. And in fact, there are school districts and Manatee is one of these that on an administrative level are taking these books, you know, not even based on a complaint, are taking a book like Entangum X3 and, and other kind of innocuous, you know, books and removing them from uh school libraries either just on their own or on the basis of you know an you know just like a random email from the local moms for liberty you know activists so that's a big part of it and that and i think the the real tragedy of it is is like the people who are going to suffer from this are the students you know if you don't have access to all the different ap classes that helps you get into college it can help make college cheaper because you can get some credit it can obviously be on, on your resume now there may be other AP classes, but you might be interested in taking the African American history exam, you know, and 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 helping your in getting study for that. So that that's I think the 
the the tragedy of it. Um, so I think people are starting to see this was all billed under parents' rights, and that's what we're talking about, parents' rights. A lot of it is not being driven by parents, and we're starting to see that this is not this is more about demonizing teachers than empowering parents. And you've noted that this is coming at a time, correct me if the figure is wrong, where while we're creating a backlog of which books students may read and which ones they may not, only about 50% of Manatee County students are reading at grade level in the first place. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, this is a county that where kids, you know, need to need to read. I mean, obviously, that that that's not necessarily like an indictment of, of what's going on. It's it's challenging to, to get kids up to speed, especially after, you know, the pandemic, which disrupted a lot of, of folks. But uh, yeah, I, this is something where it's important uh, that, that there is an issue with literacy. And, and as I mentioned, you know, this is in that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of talking about it like I'm some sort of expert. I'm not, but I, I have kind of gotten into this area of like classroom libraries, you know, in the last couple of weeks and, and people, you know, they are really important, you know, especially if there's a kid who, you know, might be struggling, but is learning to read. If you can find, you know, maybe you've got some baseball books or maybe they're into dance or whatever. And there's books that you have that maybe aren't in the library because they're not great works of literature, but they're something that interests the kid because that's what they're interested in. And you kind of get them going. So I think that's, you know, that's part of part of what's happening there. And, you know, I think I hope that as, you know, in future school board elections and, and other elections that that bear on these issues that we have you know, hopefully at least a more informed conversation about what's really, you know, going on rather than just like, it's the people who, you know, are trying to indoctrinate the kids versus the people who want to empower parents. I mean, it's just a very reductionist view. And and now, you know, unfortunately, uh, students are starting to pay the price here. And Judd, because our lens is so Florida centric as uh, Floridians in the eye of the storm, but you know, you, your, uh, you know, your work takes, you know, on, on a national, is, is on a national scope. And as you said, in the beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. sometimes even on a global scope, I wanted to ask, have you seen anything like this in any other place in the United States or uh, 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 this sort of like, you know, censorship regime, you know, taking place? I think the difference it's happening. There are other places where it's happening. And one of the interesting things since this particular story, and it's interesting when you, you know, I write four things a week, this, what I put out on Monday and it was like, it explode. like people really were like worked up about it, which I, which I understand, but I get worked up about a lot of things. And then sometimes people don't get so worked up, but this one hit with people. And I've just been flooded with people all around the country who are talking about, you know, similar things that are going on in their community, people trying to ban books, people trying to censor what's being on in classrooms. The difference I think that's in Florida, the only other state that's, I would say somewhat similar is Texas is that the, the political leadership uh, kind of from top to bottom in most cases is all aligned with these efforts and is supporting these efforts. They're passing laws, they're take, they've taken control of the school boards um, and 
they're implementing this really aggressively. There's other places. I'm actually going to talk. I'm actually going to write about. I'll give you this is a little. This is a little special preview for for why we are like <laughs> this uh, listers. But you know, I'm going to be talking about uh, what's going on in Michigan uh, on in in my newsletter on Monday, and it's interesting there because it's the opposite. They tried to do all this stuff. You know, Tudor yeah. Dixon, who was the who ran for governor really ran to be, you know, kind of bring DeSantis style politics to Michigan. She was going to have their own don't say gay bill. They were going to get these books out of schools. She lost. The the people who are running for the legislator lost. The people who are running for the school board lost. So in Michigan, the same activists, the same right wing activists are trying to do this, but they're take doing using totally different uh, and really uh, very sneaky tactics in Michigan. And I'm going to write about that. Uh, on Monday, but in Florida, you don't have to be sneaky because in Florida, the 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 law they've now got the law, they've got the Department of Education, they've got the school boards, and so that's why you're seeing such um, aggressive action uh, being taken, and it's it's not duplicated a lot of other places for that. Yeah, reason. I mean, our, our education commissioner is basically a, a charter school lobbyist. Who has spent you know his time as a state senator, uh, you know, passing policies to enrich um, again the charter school industry uh, at the behest of public schools, and now you know we just did an episode on it. I'm sure you're following it as well. The the one of the flag, flagship bills this legislative session in Florida is a uh, is a bill that's going to you know transfer over two billion dollars of public school funds into private schools. So this is just a an all out assault on not just free speech, but the public education system as a whole. Yeah, I do think, you know, that's what, you know, and I think sometimes it's easy to dismiss sort of these grand theories that are linking everything up together. But yeah, you're right. When, when they introduce a bill and it's called HB1, and that's the one for this session, that's going to do this massive transfer of, of funds. I don't think it's a stretch to say, Part of this is about the delegitimization of public schools. And if what they were saying about public schools were true, then you'd want to get kids out of them. I mean, if the librarians and the teachers were all in cahoots with each other trying to indoctrinate children with, I don't know what, with these pornographic books, then yeah, then I guess maybe you'd want to find like an alternative. But Fortunately, this is not something that is is happening. I mean, this is something that that was made up. What did happen is a librarian, the job of a librarian and a teacher for that matter is, hey, let's have books that can appeal to lots of different types of kids and that maybe can make them feel a little less alone or something, you know, connect with their own feelings and things they're going through. So they get all kinds of books, including books, because gay people exist, about that have LGBTQ characters in them. Like you wouldn't want to exclude those books. So that's all that's that's all that's happening. I mean, it's not the idea that they're introducing these books because they want to turn kids into, you know, change their sexuality in some way. I mean, it's absurd. These are people who've devoted their whole life to trying to create a selection of books that are good for kids. I mean, I don't think librarians, being, becoming a librarian is not the, the path you go for fame or, or riches. It's because you actually really care. You love books and you care about kids. I mean, it, 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 and demonizing these folks, I think, is just, it's really um, beyond the pale. 
you're going to get our podcast canceled in Florida going around saying stuff like gay people exist. Man. Come on, what's wrong with you? you gotta- <laughs> not, not for, not, you cannot uh, play this podcast in a Florida classroom. Uh, punishable, Tomas. punishable by a third degree felony. Tomas, this is that thing that you're always talking about that you're always that you're always um, banging on, which is like this conservative project where it's like, let's take the thing that's publicly funded, make it work like shit and then say, like, look at how bad government does X, Y and Z. I mean, this is just probably like the apotheosis of this is just like the biggest example. I think right now, obviously prioritized HB1, like you say, right, like they do this with everything, right? I mean, yeah, they did it with the Florida's unemployment system. They did it with public education. They've done it with health care. It's, you know, like the, again, we talked about it in the last episode. It's Ronald Reagan's uh, famous quote. I'm here from the, the worst thing you can hear is I'm here from the government and I, and I want to help, right? They sabotage public yeah. institutions. They erode the public trust in public institutions. And then they privatize it all sell it to the highest bidder and they still do everything like shit. You know what I mean? Like it's not like we're getting a better product out of it. Look, I'm a, you, you guys, you guys know I'm a public school parent and like I, that is the net effect, man. When I talk to just regular, not per, not perennially online freaks and weirdos like us, but just normal, regular people, normal, regular public school parents, the impression broadly is, oh, what a mess. I'm I don't know. I'm looking into charter schools and that's exactly the point that is what they want they exactly. want you making consumer decisions based on your they, they want you to think of your neighborhood public school or your neighborhood community school as a morass a mess some weird political shit happening there maybe your kid's getting groomed who knows and like th- let me not mess with that i'm gonna go take these vouchers and, and take my money and and, and go David, you, you know what they're also doing it with just real quick you know what they're also doing it with they're doing it with the prison system why do you think Geo Group yeah, yeah. and all these for-profit prison companies, you know, are lobbying lawmakers? Right. You know what I mean to 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 ingratiate themselves, um, you know, uh, in the political process. They 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 take funds away yeah. from public prisons. They make them absolute hellholes, and then all the resources go into these private prison institutions. And, and not just private prison institutions, but private immigration detention centers as well. You know how many times doing my, you know, the, the work that I do in immigration and actually in criminal justice, I have heard from people that have been in these institutions that I would much rather be in a geo group jail than a public prison. Because it's true, these institutions are better funded and conditions are better, right? But that's because, again, the public prisons and public facilities have been defunded and actually sabotaged at the expense of these for-profit prisons. And of course, you know, the prison system is, you know, problematic as a whole. But, you know what I mean? When you're putting a for-profit, you know, motive to jailing people, that is inherently, you know, like wrong. And it's going to lead to perverse. Yeah, it's terrible. So we should have another whole episode on that specific topic. (laughs) But this project has gotten so absurd and out of control that they're even privatizing you know our prison system (laughs) i think the other kind of dynamic here um and yeah i'd be interested to to see polling or something like that but i can't imagine that you know when parents see you know books in their in their kids classrooms covered over with a blanket or you know pulling out and tango makes three that that's you know kind of broadly you know popular 
uh, with right. uh, politically. But I think DeSantis is really thinking more about how do you galvanize the and raise your profile nationally among the typical Republican presidential primary vote. Right. So no matter what the backlash is in Florida, it's not really necessarily, I think, the target audience for some of this stuff. There's certainly people in Florida who like it. I mean, there's there's these right. you know activists and things like that, but I don't think it's a it's an area where they're really taking the temperature of the people of Florida or the people at the schools and and things like that. I think you're looking at you know what's a very small percentage of even the Republican Party that's going to be active in early primary states and raising your profile and showing you're willing to take this on. It was kind of uh, this this strategy, I think, was really launched by Glenn, Glenn Youngkin uh, in yeah. in Virginia, who who played it off, uh, you know, and he was his his approach. I would say was more, obviously he was just a candidate at that point, so you he wasn't passing laws, and and he has been somewhat more subtle uh, about about the about the implementation of it but i think this is this is seen as a set this is seen as savvy republican politics like, yeah brinksmanship kind yeah. of yeah being able to say like look at how we talked about it before right chair like the look at how based i am yeah like, i mean wow to yeah. judd's point like for every parent he loses in manatee county he'll pick up two primary voters in des moines iowa like that i think is the strategy like this is not the this will alienate parents in minute, he's not after those parents. He's trying to play to a national audience because um, this is going to get plaudits from all the people he's trying to impress, regardless of how the parents actually feel about, like you said, someone saying, not just I'm from the government, I'm here to help. I'm from the government. Take me to your children's library. Which is very interesting because I grew up in a very like Reagan Republican household. And my dad always said the reason he hated liberals was because they want they think that a state bureaucrat can run your life for you. And now you're in a situation where as long as that bureaucrat is an epic right wing culture warrior, that is exactly what they think. Like as long as the bureaucrat <laughs> is one of us, they should absolutely be making decisions for you. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's interesting, too, that, you know, uh, I think this was DeSantis gave a speech. I, I can't remember if it was the state of the state speech or if he was just giving a speech because he had won reelection. But, you know, presenting Florida as this beacon of, of freedom, uh, yeah. while at the same time. Uh, there's really no state that is so aggressively using its power, state power, to restrict speech. You know, and it, it goes. It's we're in we're in individual classrooms now, but we're also. I mean, the Stop Woke Act, which is you know, prohibits you from talking about things that might you know make someone feel guilty about their race or things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that also applies to private businesses. I mean, I, I, I think the, the judge, the last I've read, has has uh, put a hold on that for right now temporarily. But, you know, he's the, the intent is to say that you can only, if, even if you have a private business, you can't give certain kinds of trainings to your employees because we don't like those trainings. I mean, this is this is taking things to an entirely, you know, new new level um yeah and i do think it's i do think it's part of desantis showing that he is willing to go farther and and cross more red lines than anyone else 
you know, in order to defeat the woke mind virus. The woke mind yeah. virus. I want to. I want. I want to move on to to, to that. I want to because I know we only, we only have a yeah. few minutes left. And before before we um, close out with you, like I want to talk about probably the most uh, uh, the, the the platform that is owned by the um, purve- the most prominent purveyor of the idea that there is a woke mind virus. And what else? What other platform would we be talking about? But Twitter. You did this reporting earlier this week. Um, so let's talk about the response that it got along with all of the parents who reached out to you and um, or all the people who have been affected by this issue. You probably you also um, got a pretty strong reaction on social media. Uh, can you explain how you found yourself um, a, a, a subject or, or a victim of Twitter's so-called community notes? And exactly maybe for those who don't know what that is, uh, who haven't stumbled across them, exactly what the fuck a community note is. Yeah, I hadn't seen the, I hadn't seen a lot of them myself, honestly, until this happened. But yeah, as I mentioned, I, you know, I put out something four days a week. Sometimes people are interested. Sometimes they're not. Uh, this one, and I usually, after I publish it, goes out primarily as a newsletter, but I'm on Twitter and I'll, I'll give a little summary and kind of give people a little sense of what's in there. I did that for this story about manatee and it, it took off, you know, so it was getting, you know, I don't know what it had eventually, but five, 10,000 uh, retweets. It was reaching a few, you know, several million people according to Twitter stats. And then I started uh, having a few people send me, hey, there's this note that's now appended. And so what was happening is there was a note that said my reporting, which we've talked about, that these teachers were required to put a blanket over their books or make them inaccessible in another way um, or risk a felony that essentially that was potentially misleading because they were not um, being required to remove all books. They were only being required to remove unvetted books and basically a little paragraph that makes it seem like I'm full of shit. I mean, that was, that was the, that was the <laughs> yeah. purpose of this note. Um, and you know, it, it's something, this is a feature that's really been touted, um, by Elon Musk. And he's also been clear that, and it's community moderated, meaning I don't know how you get involved, but there's a bunch of people who, who are looking at like designated, you, yeah. de- you know, they're looking at tweets, you know, not, not Twitter employees, kind of volunteers. They're looking at tweets and then they're writing notes and then they kind of randomly display them and then people start voting on it. And if you get enough votes one way or the other, they start displaying it more. So at a certain point, it was getting displayed all the time. Um, and Musk has said that, you know, other platforms that work like this have a right wing bias. Wikipedia is his yeah. example. And that this is going to be that they're working nonstop to make sure that it's not going to turn into Wikipedia. It's going to be fair, but, you know, more, uh, I guess, more fair to the right. Uh, Wikipedia co-founded by Larry Sanger. And if you don't know who Larry Sanger is, just go check out what he go check out his Twitter uh, feed. If you want to get an idea for the ideological leanings of the person that co-founded Wikipedia. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So so anyway, um, you know, I. I can. I wrote another thread complaining about this. This this note, uh, and I think that thread helped a bit because I think what happened is as people became aware of it, and they understood my reporting and the fact like I had spent a lot. As I said, I got all these things. The teachers were telling me things. I could have just gone and gone off what the teachers were saying, but I was like, well, I, what was what was the what was the factual quibble that they were trying to like say? They were trying your- to say that 
all the books don't have to be removed because once a book is vetted, it can be put back on. But the problem is when the policy is announced, as I explained, all the books are unvetted. Yeah. So the first thing you have to do is take all your books you know, offline. Right. I never said that every book was permanently banned from every floor. I mean, that would have been ridiculous. Like, obviously, there's going to yeah. be books in Florida classrooms, and some of these books are going to be back in the classroom libraries, but it doesn't make it any less, you know, insane of what's going on. So I think after I did the thread explaining why this was incorrect, some maybe some more people voted and said, this was not helpful. This is not a helpful note. So then it got displayed less and less. And I think today it, it's not really getting displayed. But I, I do think that it shows the direction that Twitter is going and the fact that, you know, this, this, there's not a lot of these notes around, but this note, this tweet that I had done, this thread, which was showing the real implications of what DeSantis was doing to Florida. And Musk is a open supporter of DeSantis saying that if he runs in 2024, that's the guy he's going to support. Right. That's what's getting targeted by this community notes, you know, uh, feature. And if that community note had stuck around, I mean, they do. The reason why they have these is they've done, you know, studies inside Twitter that if you have a community note, it gets retweeted less, it gets seen less. It, gets right. less it throttles the performance. Yeah, because yeah, people, most people are just, they're not going to, you know, it's a complicated issue. They're just going to see, oh, looks like, you know, this is not right. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to be like associated with it when actually... I had spent a ton of time, you know, I was very worried about the idea that this could be wrong. And so I spent, you know, t literally two days just calling and tried to get the district to talk to me and everything else until I got it absolutely nailed down. It was on the phone with the chief of staff of the school district who told me, yes, this is exactly what's happening. So I knew I was right, um, which is, you know, which is, I got me all you know, exercised, which is not totally untypical for me, but it, I, I was, I was very exercised because I had worked hard on this story, but I, I think it, it does raise additional concerns if there weren't enough already about the direction that Twitter is going. So Tomas, Gerald, would the two of you be surprised to learn that a, a story uh, about a controversial story about public education in Florida that dealt with teachers um, eventually turned into conservative um, officials shitting on public school teachers. Would you guys be shocked if I told you that that's what ended up happening just mere, I think, days after you published this, right, Judd? Yeah, it was the next next evening uh, they had the meeting and um, it was really driven by these two uh, DeSantis-endorsed um, uh, school board members. And essentially they were just asking a bunch of questions like, well, you never really told the teachers that they had to cover up their books, right? You never really told them they had to turn around their bookcases or cover them up with paper. Like they were just upset. And, you know, the, the school district, well, while kind of dancing around answering these questions, I mean, at a certain point they were like, no, you know, we never told them you got to get rid of all of the books or you've got to put them all away. We never told them that. Um, that, I, that was not true. You know, and I think it's really a matter of, you know, the story came out, it got some negative attention. It started, you know, get moving around Twitter. It was getting, you know, CNN was radio story. It's getting national press now. And they were trying to turn this around and say, actually, you know, we just put in these reasonable policies to follow the law. And the implication was it was the teachers that overreacted. But what I had was a document that was sent to me 
by a number of teachers that actually said, I didn't have this actually at the time that I published my original story. So I didn't put it in the original story, but I had gotten it by then that said, you must either remove or make inaccessible all of the books in your classroom library until they've all been reviewed. It actually, the document is actually even stricter than what they're sort of saying and what I, how I think the policy is being implemented, where once you start verifying that they're also in the library, you can get them back in. And so, yeah, I mean, the school, one, the school board members were turning around and blaming this on the teachers when they were just doing exactly what they were told under the punishment of a, of a third degree felony, you know? And then, and then secondly, the school district was being very dishonest about it. What they should have said when they're asked, you know, did you tell them to put them put the books away? They should have said, yes, we told them to put the books away because um, that's exactly what they did. I, you know, and it it just shows, uh, I think, what people think they can get away with, especially when it's in these kind of random, you know, school board meetings where they don't think anyone's really paying attention who's following closely and you know it was it's kind of gross to be honest they are creating not only do they do they they don't have to say anything because they are creating this atmosphere of fear and intimidation where people are not just afraid of losing their jobs now but they're actually afraid of getting hit like with not even a misdemeanor a freaking felony i mean oh, of course this is what's going to happen you know and of course that you know teachers are going to err on the on the side of caution. And actually you said it in this interview right at the beginning that like teachers were, you know, told to err on the side of caution when it comes to these new guidelines. Yeah. And this is something I know just from speaking to a lot of teachers and then also getting messages from other students, other people. I mean, I actually had a student text me and saying that he watched his teacher literally in tears as she was, you know, kind of, packing up her classroom library. So the idea that this is teachers sort of just seeking attention and trying to make a political yeah. issue of it is totally wrong. This is the last thing the teachers want to do. They do not want to do this. They they feel like they're forced to do it. And I think it's I think that they're absolutely right to feel that way because that's what they're being told. And you've got it. I mean, these people, Ron DeSantis, the Florida Board of Education, the people on the school boards who are putting, they are serious. You know, I would not assume that they're just, that this that this third degree felony thing is a head fake. I mean, Ron DeSantis uh, arrested a bunch of people for voting when they were told yeah. by the state of Florida that they were eligible to vote. I mean, for voting legally. Yeah, we don't, for we don't want to, I, we, I mean, I don't want to get into like a whole other topic with two minutes left to go in this podcast, but, but uh, the point being that they are right to take, these people seriously because I don't think they would say, "Oh yeah, we're we're talking about the third but we wouldn't actually do it. They would do it if they felt like they could make an example of someone. Absolutely. So this whole realm of what's happening in education is is moving fast as Judd mentioned, like there's really no guardrails left. There's nobody stopping um the Republican full capture, full control of the situation. So something that we're going to keep an eye on going forward, but in the meantime, I want to thank our guest, uh, Judd Legum who is the author of Popular Information. Again, you can subscribe over at popular.info. Uh, Judd, where else can people fo uh, find you and follow you? Uh, on Twitter at, at Judd Legum, uh, L-E-G-U-M. And then I'm also at that same account now on 
Mastodon, uh, just in case Twitter uh, kicks knows? me out or, or starts a pet to too many notes to me, you can find me there. <laughs> That's all for this episode of Why Are We Like This? Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at wawlt.com. Follow us on Twitter at Walt Show and on TikTok at Walt Show. You can also email us at walt at allpointswest.net. Until next time, this was Why Are We Like This? Walt, Walt, Walt. Walt Mafia Rising.